4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. We got Stanford route coming up. Raiders Insider in about 15 minutes. Football frenzy here in just a couple seconds. I don't want to just exit the Noah Rabotham interview without a couple of follow-ups. John, mm-hmm. first of all, what did you think about what Noah was saying with the players? Because, I, again, that hasn't really been covered. I just wonder what all of them are thinking right now, especially the Vegas guys. Like, you want to be loyal, but then you're like, all right, what is going on here? I got to play for another coach? Yeah, I, I completely agree with it. And, and the sentiment, too, that you said that where the thought of who these kids are going to play for and what they're going to do is, is is very much forgotten half the time. Oh, yeah. When it comes to hiring a coach because it's about bashing the guy who's leaving and then uh, let's move on to the big-name guy who's going to come in. And then when he comes in, then we start talking about the kids. And then we're mad if they leave. Right, exactly. Like, what about right now? What about right now in that – period when they don't know what the hell's going on right and you know one of the ones that you know the memory that sticks out to me is you know when when dave rice was fired and you know all oh. these kids like and they were good players that were on that team and they were, look they were good players on, on men's squad as well not to denigrate them yeah. uh, but it, and that was a really big topic of the future and you know a lot of those guys and where they were going to go what was going to happen to them and i just feel like a lot of the times the impact on the players who were promised certain things committed to a guy to play for him and develop underneath him and then all of a sudden they're put by the wayside because, you know, the guy wants to and is allowed to go and leave, and uh, these kids really don't have the same freedom. So I would 100% agree with that. The player angle never covered enough when it comes to these situations. We've had a 12 take out of five. Tennessee's out of the tournament. Oregon State, frankly, blew them out. I mean, it yeah. got down to 10, but they led by anywhere between 11 and, like, 18 uh, throughout the game. So Oregon State is on after a, a massive Pac-12 tournament here in town. Loyola Chicago. An 8 beat a 9. Georgia Tech, without its best player, just kind of struggled down the stretch. That was an 11-point game. A 2 is out. Ohio State lost to Earl Roberts. They had two guys combined for 59 points. And right now we've got a 4 struggling a bit. Five and a half minutes left in the first half, and Oklahoma State's having a tough time against Liberty. It's 18-17. I feel like a lot of the higher seeds are coming out a little bit tight. Yeah. It's not every game, but there's been a lot of – there's either been upsets or there's been a lot of competitive games going to the half. Yeah, 100%. Like Oklahoma State, for example, here, you know, they were down 15-10. to 10. They've kind of turned it around a little bit, a, a little mini 7-3 to three spurt right now. And I think they've done a really good job keeping Liberty off the three-point line because that's where they want to be. They shoot a ton of threes as a team. Uh, but it's been little mistakes. It's been Cade Cunningham kind of charging in, a guy spinning in toward the basket and fouling, jumping without a mission, uh, you know, turnovers, missed shots. So it does seem like Oklahoma State settling down, but we have seen these higher-seeded teams definitely come in tight. Uh, big football news of the day. One of the uh, bigger name receivers is off the board. Juju Smith-Schuster. Four years, 70 – no, none of that. He's back with the Steelers, a one-year, $8 million deal. I mean, I think part of it's got to be his his clowning on TikTok. His production was down. But it's crazy that everyone in the league – not that they – it's not collusion. They just made a decision. You know what? He's not worth a long-term deal. Uh, supposedly, we talked to a Ravens guy earlier. Schefter was saying that uh, – and he's not the Ravens guy. Uh, Jeremy Kahn is at 105.7. The fan in Baltimore, um, both were saying, hey, you know, the Ravens may have offered more money, which sounds weird to me. Uh, my other thought, John, is 
If you're a Raiders fan, you want Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year deal for a little more than that if you could have stolen him away or John Brown at half the money? Uh, give me Juju Smith-Schuster. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, we have seen the upside. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster at his peak was a legitimate number one receiver, it seemed like, right? It seemed like he was going to be very good for a very long time, and there's the potential that you can still unlock that if you are an NFL team. So if you're talking like one year, minimal risk in terms of the price for him and everything like that, I think that is definitely more of the buy low spot that I would be in rather than a John Brown, who at times has been good, yeah. uh, but like it's not. It's hurt a lot. Who's that? He, John Brown does get hurt a right. lot, and he was hurt last year. He basically missed the second half of the season. But, but to your point, I see, you know, you have the numbers up there. His second year, he Juju Smith-Schuster, he was really good. And if you could <laughs> somehow recapture that, I think that would be worth a buy low thing. And I keep saying Juju was down last year. He did have 97 catches. Right. I right. mean, it was for 831. It was like nine yards of catch. He scored nine touchdowns. My worry with the Raiders is I don't think they have a big enough target for the intermediate passes on the roster. Yeah. I think they've got burners. You know, John Brown can go deep. Obviously, if Ruggs develops, he can go deep. Uh, Renfro can be the slot guy, but he's not a big guy. I still think they need a big guy in space. I would completely agree with that. Look, I'm a Colts fan, and for a few years before they went and got Pittman in the draft, you know, it was a bunch of 6'1 guys, 6'2 guys uh, with some decent speed, but not a lot of size, not a lot of go-up-and-get-it type guys, possession receivers, move-the-chains type guys. Uh, and they did not have that, and the, the Raiders don't have that. I would completely agree with that, especially in today's NFL where corners are so much bigger and longer. You need to have some guys with size and not just speed. And, you know, we've seen that play out. A lot of these successful teams do have guys with some really good size on them. Maybe all of that is bunk. We'll find out from a guy who played for the Oakland Raiders, uh, played on defense at defensive back. Stanford route is up in just a few. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Kind of had a a pre-existing relationship, so... Uh, you know, when I got on the phone with him, you know, it was pretty normal and, and just talked about the defense. You know, I know how great of a coach he is. I know his philosophy and, you know, I'm just really excited to play for him. You know, I'm, you know he's a guy his, his players love and, you know, I'm really lucky to be playing for him. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Solomon Thomas, a lot of names this week, a lot of names, a lot of new additions on the Raiders roster and, uh, only a couple of guys, and, and no one really broke the bank. You know, hey, I'd like to make $8.5 million or $13 million, but, you know, we're not talking uh, 17 18 $22 million a year players. So they spread the wealth. We'll get some uh, opinion on some of these additions from Stanford Rowdy, played for the Oakland Raiders. Stanford, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? Happy to be back on with you. So, Stanford, what are you are you at home right now? Yes, I'm at home. Okay, do you have, like, seven TVs? You're watching the tournament? Do you not care? What's going on? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm still I'm watching the tournament, keeping my eye on things. You know, I got my alma mater, University of Houston. They play uh, Cleveland State tonight. So I'll definitely be paying attention. It's not something I'm going to stay glued to for every minute of the game, but I'm definitely going to be paying attention to these uh, NCAA tournament games like I always do every spring. All right, well, we appreciate it because uh, Houston just tipped. And uh, they're out to a good start. They're up seven yeah. nothing early against Cleveland State. So we'll get mm-hmm. you, we'll get you in and out of here because I, I can tell you this. Uh, I went to Rutgers. They never make the tournament. Uh, I'm not go- getting on the phone with anyone during those two hours. I'm watching the game. So I get I get a little intense as a sports fan. I'm a little crazy that I'll way. I'll call you on purpose. The don't the phone will be off. The phone will be off. 
Uh, all right, Stanford, let's get into – well, I want to get into the news of the day first. We were just talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. What the hell happened uh-huh. here? What happened? He's supposed to be, you know, one of the top receivers. He's a free agent. Big deals on the way. He wants to go back to Pittsburgh on a one-year deal for $8 million. Good money. But what do you think happened? Has the league kind of soured on Juju? What's the deal? You're talking about the, did the league sour on Juju, or are you talking about just this free agent receiver market oh, that you it, see happening right now unfold in well, front of our very eyes? Let's talk about both. First, Juju, did the league sour, or is, is the league right now down on Juju Smith-Schuster? I think they are a little bit because we see that he had a monster year back in 2018. I believe he had, what, 1,300 receiving yards, wound up going to the Pro Bowl, was voted the MVP of the seat of the team that year by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we all know that that was playing alongside Antonio Brown. So he's not receiving the bulk of the coverage. They're not rotating the coverage, double-teaming him. He's not a part of the game plan so they can stop him on Sunday afternoon. He's benefiting from getting that number two corner or the number three corner or maybe a safety, something like that. Well, then guess what? Antonio Brown leaves. Well, now we haven't seen Juju Smith-Schuster pop off. We haven't seen him pop on the screen like we did that year that he had Antonio Brown with him. And GMs, head coaches, defensive coordinators around the league, they make note of that. Whenever you go and you're now the guy, people want to see can you perform at the same level, at that same at that same clip that you were when you were the number two or the number three guy. So I think that the NFL, the league is starting to realize, like, okay, you know what, maybe Juju is just more of a, is a, is a, uh, a product of playing with Antonio Brown in the scheme more so than him being a stud player. And then also what he did last year, I'm not even going to say off the field, I'm going to say before the game, pregame with his TikTok videos. That's something that a lot of GMs probably did not like as well when it's not backed up with a Pro Bowl-level performance throughout the season. Stanford, you alluded to it. You know, explain to people who don't really are following it as closely what is happening with the wide receiver market here in free agency, and how much does that tie into a draft class that is potentially loaded with wide receiver that a lot of these a lot of these player teams could be like, why, why would I spend money in free agency on a guy when I can go get a young guy that looks like a stud? I think it directly ties into what you see coming out in the draft, and with with so much of the spread offense is matriculating all the way down to the high school level and then back up to the NFL level. What happens is you no longer need to go and draft or find a 6'3", 205. He can stretch the field, and he's got great leaping ability. He can go across the middle, catch the tough passes. The A.J. Green, the Julio Jones, the Mike Evans, those types of people. You don't need to find those types of receivers anymore, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you can get the same level of production from the short quick receivers that get in and out of their breaks very quickly in the spread offense. Uh, one guy that comes to, not, comes to mind, Cole Beasley. Then we see Humphreys with Tennessee last year. We see Scotty Miller with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where Cole Beasley made second team all pro. Please always remember that. And what I'm simply saying is with the explosion of the spread offense, you don't need the prototypical type receiver to get the same level of production that it once was throughout the league. And you can thank Bill Belichick, a la Tom Brady and Wes Welker of 2007 and on for the NFL starting to pick up on that trend. 
That's that's actually interesting because we were talking about this off the air where, you know, we're looking at the wide receivers for, like, the Raiders, for example. Uh, a lot of the key guys where you expect contributors uh, are on the smallish side, kind of what you're referring to there. And my argument, Stanford, was guys at your position when you're talking about corners, defensive backs, they're becoming bigger, stronger, longer, faster. Uh, so, But you you kind of expect that as we move forward here, the, the typical six foot three, big-bodied guy is not necessarily a necessity for some of these teams, huh? Yeah, I don't think it's a necessity. I still think that it's definitely a luxury because you look at a guy like Julio Jones, you look at a guy like a Mike Evans, you look at those men, and believe me, they bring so much hectic thinking to a cornerback's mind. I can tell you from past experience. But the thing is that for teams that don't have the money to spend to break the bank on a top-notch receiver like that, like a DeAndre Hopkins, you can still go ahead and have a very potent offense doing it a different route, no pun intended, with the guys like a Cole Beasley, a a Humphreys, or a Scotty Miller, people like that, even though they're not going to command as much $20 million a year like the Michael Thomas, $27 million a year extension like the DeAndre Hopkins with the Arizona Cardinals, but you're still going to be able to get really good production out of them almost to the level that you would get from a Michael Thomas or a DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and this is a kind of a fascinating dynamic with wide receivers, and not only like the body type Stanford that are, are more popular amongst teams, but the way they're being used. You know, like I was talking about Michael Pittman. I'm a Colts fan, right? And, and Michael Pittman being a, fre- a breath of fresh air for the Indianapolis Colts, but he was a guy that was like a lot of yards after catch, get him out in open fields. Like even when you get these six foot four guys, a lot of them are being used in ways where it's just get him out in space and get some yak, as opposed to like downfield targets. Yes, especially the guys that can run after the catch, like you just said, John. So I think that. As a DB, when a, when a receiver catches the ball, certain receivers like a Andre Johnson, a Brandon Marshall for my time, a Steve Smith, when those guys catch the ball and they actually turn around and get their pass square, well, now it's a completely different play because you already messed up not being able to cover them. Now you got to come up and tackle them as a DB, and to do that over and over and over again, they're going to start to go ahead and break a few long ones, maybe even a long touchdown. So it provides a different dimension to the game, and that's that much more than a D coordinator, a corner, a safety, a linebacker have to deal with on the field of play. Stanford route on Cofield and company as we're hanging out at the Westgate Superbook Sports, a great sports book. All the games are on. All right, let's talk about how the Raiders have spent their money on defense. First away, first of all, are you an Ngakwe guy? Because we've had some people come on and say, eh, you know what, he's, you know, pin the ear back, ears back and, you know, go balls to the wall, get to the quarterback. He's not really a, a three-down guy. Is that accurate? I'm not going to sit up there and say that definitively he's not a three-down guy, but we all know that he's somebody that can get after the quarterback. And I'll ask both of you guys this question. What is what? What is the main Achilles heel huh. that the Las Vegas Raiders had this past season? Yep, that's it. The last two years, punting. punting. It was punting, the second. Yeah. It was the secondary. You know what my best yeah. friend is, Steve? Yeah. My best friend is pass rush. Okay. My best friend is a DN that can get after the quarterback. So there you go. And cool. uh, they, so I love it. Yeah. So and and you can see. Uh, they've really done nothing except get rid of guys in the defensive backfield. I mean, they're loading up with depth. So now they've got Furl on one side. They've added Quentin Jefferson inside. They added Solomon Thomas inside. So clearly that's the plan. They they want to give some of these young defensive backs a chance to develop, but they also want to give them a chance to have a real pass rush in front of them. Absolutely. You play in the AFC West where you have a budding superstar in a Justin Herbert. 
big, strong quarterback can make every throw on the field. He's only going to get better. Yes, we all know Kansas City got blasted in the Super Bowl by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but Kansas City ain't going nowhere. Pat Mahomes ain't going nowhere. He's going to be great for years to come. So being in the AFC West, and, don't, and also don't let me forget, Drew Locke. He's somebody that makes a lot of mistakes, but he's got a big arm as well, and he definitely loves taking shots down the field. In this, in this division, the AFC West, you better be able to defend in the back end. You better be able to defend the deep ball. You better be able to, to defend the second-level pass because all the quarterbacks in this division, Derek Carr included, they like that second-level, third-level ball. You've got to be able to stop it, and the best way to do that is with pass rush. See, Super Bowl February 7, 2021, how much defense and pass rush can affect the game. Let's talk offense. Uh, so they added John Brown, a receiver. That was at like $4.5 million. Uh, they didn't choose to go, you know, $8, $10, 12000000 million on a receiver. Instead, they gave money to Kenyon Drake, who can earn upwards of fifteen mil over two years. What do you think about that, spending a good amount of money on what could be a backup running back? He's going to play a lot, but running back instead of receiver. Somebody that can catch the ball out of the backfield, somebody who knows uh, the offense within the NFL, somebody who's a veteran. We all know I love Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs, he's a bull. He's like a battering ram. What is one thing that we all know about running backs? When you run them into the ground and when you run them a lot, it causes their legs to go a lot sooner than somebody like Alvin Kamara who's used sparingly, who's used smartly by the New Orleans Saints and not an every down, give it to him 25 times a game type of running back. So I think that this is a great move because it's going to spell Josh Jacobs and it's going to lengthen his career before he then falls off the cliff. And then everybody that is a fan of the Las Vegas Raiders, all the pundits like us, is now saying, you know what, the Raiders can't pay this guy big money. All he's going to do is fall off the cliff. He's already shown uh, signs of wear and tear on the tires like he's, like he's slowing down. So this right here is going to lengthen the uh, the efficacy of a Josh Jacobs as far as his running style. Stanford, take us inside the mind of the players when management comes to them and they're like, hey, you got to take a drastic pay cut. Kyle Fuller had that happen with the Bears, and he said buzz off, and he's out there. And now Marcus Mariota has to make a decision. You know, does he stay with the Raiders and go from like $10.5 million a year to three? Uh, what's the mindset of the player? The mindset of the player is it all depends on what team is he on. If he is on the old school, and I say old school even though it was two years ago, with a Tom Brady in the fold, New England Patriots, where you feel like we always are in position to win the big one. We won't win it every year, but we're always in the thick of things, kind of like what Kansas City is right now. You'll be more willing to take a pay cut when that GM calls your phone. But if you were on a team that you feel like, yeah, we're a pretty good team, but we're not close. We're not one player away. We're not right on the cusp of getting over the hump, then you're pretty much probably going to leave that GM or the head coach or whoever it is is calling. You're probably going to go ahead and in the 2021 version of social media, you're going to leave him on red or you're going to leave him on scene. Or, you know, for old school guys like us, you're just going to send him the voicemail because there's no upside to me giving money back that I signed the contract. That's what's owed to me. There's no sense in me giving that money back for a team that right now is not on the cusp. And me giving this money back is not going to allow you to go get said player that will then put us over the hump. So it really depends on where that player is in his career, A, and B, also the team that he plays on. That right there has a big factor on how he perceives the request 
for him to give money back and take a take a haircut. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great answer. And I brought up Kyle Fuller as an example, who said to the Bears, "You know what? I'm going to walk." And I wonder if part of it was he looked at what the Bears have done in signing Andy Dalton, who looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback. If I had my choice, I would leave the Bears too. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fellas, I remember a time, and uh, and I and I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't feel offended with me bringing up this yeah, story. Yeah. I remember back when I played alongside a guy by the name of Namdi Awesome. Well, I'm pretty sure both of you heard of him. Oh yeah. And he was the one that broke the door open for cornerbacks getting that large salary on a short-term deal, three years, forty-five million dollars. Back then, in 2009, which seemed like like a monstrosity for a cornerback sign. I love that because he paved the way for the rest of us. But anyways. I remember going into, I believe it was the second year of that contract, Al was a little bit, he was in a pickle where he needed to get underneath the salary cap. They called Namdi to go ahead and try to get him to take a pay cut, restructure, things like that. Namdi basically told them, buzz off, <laughs> simply because uh, it's not like we're one player away from getting over the hump. I like being an Oakland Raider, but I'm not about to go in reneged off of the contract that we agreed on just 12 months ago, I'm not about to go and give you a pay cut and go ahead and give you a haircut all because you need to find a way to get under the salary cap. Uh, that's what you went to school for. You have capologists in the upstairs in the front office. That's what they get paid to do. So you know what? Figure it out. That was great. Stanford, thank you so much. Good luck to your Cougars <laughs> and enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> You guys be good, man. Y'all be safe out there. Thanks, man. There you go. Stanford route. That was good. That was real good. It's always good. <laughs> Am I right on Kyle Fuller? Is that part of the decision? Like, wait, I'm going to take a pay cut. We could be a good team, but now you just anointed Andy Dalton the starting quarterback? Nah, come on. Yeah, that's what I would do. Right? Yeah, like, no shot. I mean, I'll take less money. Like, you know, he's going to make 12. Um, I'll, I'll take less. I'll take 7 or $8 million, but, like, I want to win. Right. I want on the other side. I want to have a freaking quarterback, not Andy Dalton. And it's I don't want to smear the guy, but come on, that's it's ridiculous. I would 100% agree with that. Just nuts. Uh, 11-8. Houston slowed down a little bit. Eight minutes in, 11-8. Cleveland State, one of the upstarts. Uh, Dennis Gates, one of the 65 guys on the uh, Cofield and Company UNLV coaching list. Uh, that one's about eight minutes in. Again, two seed against 15. It's 11-8. Uh, North Carolina and Wisconsin, both enormous teams. Uh, 10 minutes in, and that one is tied at 16. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. Time now for Dustin DeHart's Club 99. Back to Steve Cofield. Let's rate something on the uh, 1 to 99 scale that's usually uh, – it's kind of a no contest. And I'm not going to smear all local bars because there's – I mean, most are on point and they're great spots to watch sports at. This is the greatest city in the world in terms of sports viewing because every bar in town really is a sports bar. Like, you ever go – John, you went on the road a bunch. Yeah. Um, if Atlantic City last year, you're going there every week. I'm telling you, in Atlantic City, before there were sports books – if you wanted to watch football games, good luck at times in the casino. And if you then search, if you go to other markets and you're like, sports bar, 
the stuff that comes up, you're like, wait, is this really a sports bar or not? Well, here, here they're like, it's on every freaking corner. And here's the thing, too, a, a low-key aspect of this is the fact that, like, a couple of the bars that I would go visit out there, like, there was one I really liked. It was, like, a low-key Irish bar right there on the boardwalk. Yeah. Super cool, uh, cash-only spot. It was really old, but only, like, two TVs. Yep. Like, that's the other part about it is, like, just the setups around there. It is very uh, – it is not set up for massive sports viewing parties and, and no. events. No, not at all. So, we're here at the Westgate. They do it right. The the screens here are gigantic. In the Superbook, it's crazy how big and clear the screens are. There's nine are. games on this one with, still with the rest of the games that are up for March Madness. That's insanity. Uh, the cabaret is open. The theater is open. Well, I can't wait until COVID is mostly done. And we can, you know, have the theater with thousands of people in there again. That's going to be awesome. So they do it up right here. And 99% of local bars are pretty good in Vegas. Although you did have a friend text you a while ago. They walked into a bar, and what they see on the TVs like an hour ago? Three TVs. Yep. One has the Food Network. One is Golf Channel. Oh, no. And one has True TV. Okay, now, well, they, so that means right. they, had the game, they had a game on. Right, but you got to be on top of it at this point right now. And don't get me started because this is another thing where you'll walk oh, into – You'll, you'll walk into certain bars, and then yeah. there's actually a chain of bars that there, there seems to be this theme where there's, like, CNN on uh-huh. or, like, Fox News. Well, it's like, well, I don't really understand watching that in a spot where you can't hear. But are, the Food Network? Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, well, there, there, are a lot, there are a lot of players, and that's really what makes local bars go. There are a lot of gamers who want the news on, so that's fine. But you're right, the Food Network is a little bit weird. Uh, and not every place has to cater to sports fans. Yes, they do. But I, I know if I'm at a place, and and it, this especially goes on Sundays with Sunday Ticket, if I start getting, like, where's the game, and there's, like, the fumbling, the nervous fumbling with the controller, I'm like, all right, I got to yeah. go. Nightmare. And then, of course, there is the dreaded – it's one of the most dreaded moments in all of sports. It's the 1 o'clock changeover of the games. Oh. And sometimes the, they just don't do it. Disaster. It can take up to a half an hour for them to figure it out. And there's, there's there's three games generally. Yep. Now I will say. Now in, I, I, I will before you say something. Yeah. I, in their defense, they are busy. Right. And again, we're we're kind of the, the lowest on the rung in terms of the patrons. No, we're like not. what? Well, we are. Come on. That's not true. As compared to the gamers. You sit there. You buy drinks. Food. I know, but you. You could have a. Because Donnie over there is playing little like dollar hands or no, whatever. But that's, but that's not always the case. You could have someone funneling through, you know, five ten thousand dollars just going for hours and playing, hours and hours. Playing through it. And then you're like, oh, I spent eighty dollars. I'm a pigwig. Like get out, get out of here. But uh, yeah, come down here. You don't have the TV problems. Okay. Yes. Or go to your favorite local bar because we support those as well. That's right. Love just, them. Just make sure you know. Come on, bartenders, stay on top of it. But especially now, like you should be trained, yeah. like with like a March Madness type deal, you should be trained and have like if you're if I'm a manager of a bar, I'm like, all right, guys, today is the day. Right. We're on top of TV coverage. If a game ends, we're moving it. Halftime, you're switching the sound. Let's go. That would be a sign I would put outside of my bar. We are on top of the TVs. I bet you we get a lot of traction. Let's talk NBA versus college basketball. You were cracking on college basketball <laughs> when you walked in. You know, you're uh, you're a big NBA guy, and NBA gets beat up all the time. Uh, let's start with one. The notion that Indiana 
is going to get Brad Stevens. Was there a Woj bomb today? So not necessarily a Woj bomb. So I don't know if you saw the other day, Brad Stevens gave a very tepid response to the um, stories out there that he was considering the Indiana job and called it a decent position, all that stuff. Did all the polite and correct stuff that you're supposed to do when, when commenting on the job in public. Uh, but was asked about it again today, and so he had to kind of reiterate, like, all right, look, not even just reiterate, like, kind of like, I'm not taking the job. He said and came out, he is not considering uh, the job over at Indiana, and actually had a great quote that I'll pull up here. Keith Smith and a couple of others uh, tweeted this out, uh, saying Brad Stevens, quote, uh, I am a 44-year-old mass hole. I swerve around others when I'm driving. I eat oh, Dunkin' wow. Donuts, and I root for the Patriots. Uh, he is not going anywhere. So he really like that's came really out good. Yeah, he came out strong with I'm not going to go anywhere, which is ridiculous if you thought he was actually going to do so. Just given the timeline of events, I don't think people realize he would have to leave the Boston job in the middle of the season to take the yeah. job and at that's Indiana. A, that's a Larry Brown, you know, Bobby Petrino type move. Right. And and you'd have to, I mean, if you're an NBA guy who's going to go back to college or go to college. You're probably on your way out. He's not on his way out. Correct. Like, like you, you, the handwriting's on the wall. You're, you're not doing a great job, and they don't like you. You're going to lose your job. It's not the case. And it's not a John Beeline situation where Beeline comes in, you know, fails, and then leaves in the middle of the season because he gets fired, and then you could potentially leave. Uh, but bringing this back to Woj, so Tim Bontemps tweeted out, you know, the quote about uh, him not being a kid anymore, being a 44-year-old masshole. Uh, Wojnarowski responded to Tim Bontemps saying, it is incredible Brad Stevens has to even spell this out for people. No one is leaving a head coaching job in the NBA for college anymore. Not the Celtics, not the Kings, not anyone, anywhere. Nobody is returning to college unless they're no longer welcome to stay in the pros. There you go. I believe that. NBA college again. I ask this every year. Do we need Charles Barkley on the broadcast for the NCAA tournament? I do, was, do I not get it? And then just there's, a, you know, there's an audience out there that's like, basketball, Chuck. We love it. Because I, I, I felt over the years, and I keep saying it, like it's kind of insulting to college basketball fans. He, John, we bring it up all the time. NBA fans are calling Chuck and Shaq casuals. Right. They're not even up on the NBA. There's how many, excluding Auburn games, how many college basketball games do you think Charles Barkley watches a year? Like, Less than two combined. Right. And that doesn't include, like, the ones where he just, like, left the TV on one night and, like, was like, oh, hey, look, there's a college basketball game on. I didn't realize. And it's already two minutes left in the second half. I would agree with you. Like, I get maybe it's just a Turner thing, right, and a deal thing, and they're trying to get money out of it. I Like, you know, we pay him this much. Let's use him. But I don't see – I've never really – I get the appeal on inside the NBA from an entertainment perspective. Yeah. But I just don't get the forced, all right, here he is for college hoops because he doesn't add anything. Okay. By the way, do you like the true TV lineup when it's you get to see some promos? Do you have practical, an Practical jokers, I bet. Okay. Do you have an issue with the well, constant mocking on true TV? No, it's just okay. It was funny five years ago. <laughs> What's true TV? Better find it. Never heard of that before. It's 2021. I don't need ten tweets on my timeline about. Everybody's got five minutes to find out where True TV is. I just, it's a played out joke. All right, we get it. And here's the other thing. I don't know how your cable setup works, Steve. I have a little red button on my remote (laughs) that I just press that shows me all the games that are on that I can watch, and then I can select the game and it takes me there. 
But, like, it, it was a funny punchline five to seven years ago. It's not anymore. Can we can we kind of find, like, a new bit around March Madness, please? I feel like there was a show. Oh, you know what it is? It's Fast Foodies. Yeah. I was going to say, there's a show recently that I've been watching on True TV. Because then I see the stupid promo for uh, right after and during the breaks for Adam ruins everything and not our Adam Hill. Right. And that, that show looks dreadful. It's actually not bad. Is it? It's okay. It's it's a it's it's like I'm a not, really yeah. well researched like you know kind of I guess you call it like a docu series. Okay. Uh, that you know he kind of craps on like played out myths things like that. It's not too bad. One more important NBA point and uh, do it. I'm down. Well, Ari sent this one over. If he's I don't know if he's in the studio right now or he's in the bathroom. He's there. Um, he says Jeff Van Gundy has four cats. One made an appearance while he was calling the game. Yep. Also, Mark Jackson is terrified of cats. What happened here? Uh, I don't know about the Mark Jackson angle, but I do know that uh, I did see Van Gundy's cat invade him while he was broadcasting. Uh, similar I, to your you cats. I, I, was I, say, yeah. I forgot everyone's at home. That's yeah. right. I was like, how is this cat at the game? Oh, there he's at home. Right, he's at home, and like the cat just kind of crawls in front of the camera yeah. while he's there, and so he grabs it, and I think it was like Poopsie or something like that, whatever oh, his geez. cat's name was. It was a ridiculous name, not something cool like Figaro. Uh, I would say cat. I would say your cat interferes with broadcast more than mine does. Well, my cat, when I when I had my old setup, my cat, you guys would just see during the late night happy hour, it would just be on the bed in the background going insane. Yeah, just Knocking doing, stuff down. Right, just doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, now, because I'm a professional, uh, I just kick her out of the room. Uh, one of my cats is strong enough with the headbutt and the power that she can actually open the door. So she butts her way in, and then she loves to jump, like, right in front of the camera. Yep. So you usually see a tail going across some of the shots. So what are you going to do? Ours, uh, ours says her legs have become strong enough. But, you know, we got her uh, over the summer. So now she can jump up on the kitchen counter and do sorts of like like that stuff just with the power of her legs, like not even using anything. And uh, that's unfortunate because the other day I was pouring coffee and I didn't realize that she was just on the kitchen counter staring at me and it scared me and I burned my hand. Are you ready to bet North Carolina in game? We'll find out what the number is on the way back because uh, they're having a tough time here. As they're down 32 to 21, uh, UNC wasn't really proficient at scoring at times this year. They just got it over the back. So they're down 11 with 316 left. North Texas early against Purdue. Uh, upset brewing. 13 against a four. North Texas up 19 to 15. And, uh, yeah, Liberty's right there with Oklahoma State beginning of the second half. And Okie State, the four seed uh, against the 13, is up 31-30. We could have uh, multiple double-digit upsets. Cleveland State! Cleveland State! 15. They're down five right now with seven minutes in the first half. The uh, Houston Cougars having a tough time. Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. We got a response from uh, Rhino. Derek, one of our P1s on the Barkley. Should he be on the broadcast? We talk about this every year. Uh, He said, contrarian take, uh, question, do we really need a fourth or fifth basketball head that does know college basketball to give us some canned chalk take um i agree with that but it doesn't have to be that way get good people right 
And the other thing is, I, I, I got to say it, um, there are certain college basketball analysts who refuse to say anything because most of what they're doing is protecting their connections. Correct. I right. do. I was just telling you during the break, I've seen people, like, there, there are so many Eric Musselman stands in the media, which I like Eric Musselman. I think he's, I think he's cool. He's fun. Like, you don't have to kiss his ass for him to be media friendly. But we know... We know there are, there are media guys out there who won't say anything negative about coaches. Of course. So that, that even means, like, their analysis, if they're on a, a panel at the half or before the game, after the game, is going to be kind of vanilla. I mean, but let's uh, let's be honest, too. I mean, for the most part, these pregame shows, you're not going to get much substance regardless, right? Like, that's not their whole point. It's just set up some of these games and just get you to watch. It's all kind of fluff. Like, I don't know what you do outside of, like, I think a good addition would be a sports betting analyst of some sort on a lot of these shows. Uh, But it also depends on, you know, the type of sports betting analyst that you're going to get because you could fill that hole with uh, a rando who's just coming up and barely knows stuff, and you won't get that much from him. And, again, I should reiterate, too, not just for picks. I think that's the most annoying thing about sports gambling media in general. Who cares about picks? It's about analysis of the game, why the line moved, all of those sort of things. But people also just want picks. Uh, we're going to get back to a little T.J. Altsberger, the, the reaction, the uh, the list of 65 that we have now from listeners and media people for the UNLV head coaching position. You know, a lot of the odds talk has been, well, it was his dream job. And I think for the most part, Iowa State probably is. I got to tell you, if they if they make you know a Final Four and he's a hot candidate, he will leave. Yeah. Like he's not bound to Iowa State for life. And I, you know, I mentioned earlier about Chris Beard. I mean, he left for his dream job at Texas Tech. What do you want him to do? He's going to stay at UNLV when he's got his dream job. He's going to leave Texas Tech. Now, I don't know if it's going to be this time around. He's the favorite to get the Indiana job. He's in faraway places. He's two to one to get the job. Mm. Dream job. He's going to leave again. Well, but I also think, like, a spot can be a dream job. Right. But you're also not, like, beholden to stay there for example at one point working at lotus broadcasting for me was a dream job right because i wanted to get into the business and i wanted to work there but then you know you move on and you get different jobs so i think it can be a dream job but you still want yourself to move north in terms of your career all right i'll buy that uh nba guy oh yeah there actually is a market of betting for most improved player oh yes there is so what's going on so right now so with the story for the most improved player market has been um jeremy grant jeremy grant's been doing really good with detroit uh, he's averaged or he's added about 12 points per game uh, to his point per game average um and so for the beginning of the year his odds skyrocketed got as high as like minus three dollars 250 uh to win most improved player and again for those out there you know minus 250 doesn't sound like a lot but it is when the sample size and when the pool is the entire freaking NBA, right? right. Like, that's that's massive to be an odds-on favorite in an index prop with something like that. And I actually did this uh, on the latest episode of Harvard Handicappers Podcast, which is available right now. You can go to my Twitter account, at me, JVT, and check it out. Um, like, rate, review, subscribe, please. We broke down the market because I have a ticket on Julius Randle to win most improved player at 22-1. to 1. Randle's been freaking incredible. And yesterday he had 17 assists. He's been he's been nuts in terms of how good he has become for the New York Knicks, and he has gone from 22 to one to about plus 160. Grant's now back under two dollars at about minus 165. Uh, but you have seen you have seen moves on Julius Randle, who again, as I mentioned, is under two bucks now. All of a sudden last week there was this massive shift on Nikola Jokic's odds to win Most Improved. 
from like 200 to one to all of a sudden he's now like 30 to one, 33 to one in some spots. Uh, and a guy like Zach Levine too is starting to kind of shrink in terms of his odds too. So I think like just something like that, these awards, uh, I'll take you back to a couple years ago. Uh, James Harden was minus 500 to win the MVP at one point two years ago. Giannis ended up winning it that year. Wow. So these markets, they, they move, but it's not really on. It's just on kind of licking your finger and putting it in the wind and seeing where the direction is. There's nothing tangible that you can do. So there's a lot of advantages you can find in some of these markets. Big 5 and 5 is on the way. We're here at the Westgate Superbook Sports, Superbook USA. They've got uh, multiple spots around the building to uh, watch the games at. We're in the book. you got the big screens here. you got the theater. The cabaret is open. It's at all the bars as well. And they've got... Great specials like the $20 buckets of Bud Light or the Bud Light Seltzer. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.